come on now, Brainiacs. Wouldn't be the holiday season without a blabberbrain show, Christmas, New Year's, holiday blowout extravaganza show, would it? I mean, it's an annual tradition. Today, we're going to be spreading the Yuletide cheer with Trevor Tyson, host of Trevor Talks, who's normally the one asking the questions. So we're going to kind of flip the script on him. You're not going to want to miss that interview. Let's do this. And welcome to the annual Christmas, New Year's, holiday extravaganza, blowout, blabberbrain show or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm your host, Michael M. Kadri, and the guy, jolly guy over there in the fabulous glasses and Santa hat is the big M. What is happening, sir? Chestnuts are roasting on an open fire. Now you better put that fire out Jack before you get Frost burned. is nipping at your nose. Yeah, well, you I, are the crooner, sir. So uh, having my eggnog. <laughs> there you go. I'm I'm sure it's spiked with something. Yeah, I don't drink regular. Regular, it's too thick and pasty. You have to. This is the Evans Evan Williams. Okay. Now, do you buy the uh, pre-mixed Evan Williams one, or do you do you pour it in yourself, or do you put? A I didn't extra know shot? Evan Williams has a uh, ha has one that you could add. Well, I add to it. Right. But Evan Williams, I think, of course, it has a little bit of whiskey and brandy, and I think rum. I don't think it's very strong. I'd have to see like it's fifteen proof or something like that, and I add a little more bourbon to it, bring it up to probably about forty proof. Uh, well, I know because I know they make the pre-mix like Southern Comfort stuff, but I, they, I think this, some of the Southern Comfort stuff, stuff doesn't have. I don't think that's like Southern. The Comfort stuff you buy in the state store, I think, is is pre-mixed. But you can buy stuff right. like even in in the grocery store that's obviously not alcohol. No, but that that one's pretty good because I don't like eggnog like regular eggnog, and I never drank until maybe a few years ago when I actually decided to try the Evan Williams and they evened it out. It used to be a drink and you go, Oh my God, you could just smell their bourbon. Now it's, you know, they're adding a little brandy and a couple of things. They probably killed off a few people. <laughs> it just was a very overpowering flavor, but the stuff, the Southern comfort is good, but I have, I, I, cause I tried it for the first time. I think it was about two weeks ago, maybe a week ago. I can't remember. And I, I have had a pint of, Southern Comfort here, and I can't remember why I bought it. It's for some recipe, and I never use it. I've been sitting here for a good year. And then, okay, I'm like, okay, I got the carton out. When you pour it out, it's pretty thick. So I added up, I added in the Southern Comfort, and it was actually really, really good. You put a little nutmeg on the top of it, but you need that to thin it out, not just, just for just put the, the Southern alcohol. Comfort, like in sugar cookies or something like that. Put it in your in your cookies when you're baking or something. Yeah, you know what? No, it works great for making cookies if you're making cookies over there. Um, in the next few weeks is to use uh, Frangelica. That is really good. What you end up, you put a, if you're making two dozen, say, you put a tablespoon of it. In. It's it's going to be cooked out anyhow, right. but that's a hazelnut liqueur. And it's a slight, and it has some sweetness to it. And it really works well for chocolate chip cookies. Um, not bad in peanut butter, but chocolate chip using some of that, you don't want to add too much because then, the dough's not going to set properly. Not that I ever make my own dough, you know. I'm I, I buy that tub. Buy the Pillsbury stuff. Yeah, I buy the stuff in the tub, and I have an ice cream scooper, and I'll and I'll make them. And that way, there, I don't eat three dozen of them in one night. I'll make 
maybe four or five at a time, decent sized ones. And then at least that way there, I'm not, because I'll sit there and I, I make two dozen. By the end of the day, all two dozen are gone. You know, I, I mean, <laughs> and you're feeling it, pretty good it. by the end of the night, too. Well, no, I mean, not, not unless I'm drinking some, but no, I mean, a bit of what you're adding to the, the liqueur right, I know. to I mean, it is just such a small amount. Off, right? And it's I, only I about, like, it's not even a, it's probably an equivalent of like a half a shot for two dozen cookies, anyhow. So it wouldn't get you buzzed anyway. Well, in typical uh, Mike Cadre fashion, I always add a little bit of Gentleman Jack to my eggnog. And, and a little bit of uh, nutmeg on top of that. I, it's it's the the, you know, and I'm I'm I can't drink a lot of it because it's just so rich and thick and stuff like that. But if I have like one tall glass of that, I'm pretty satisfied for the evening. So yeah, I can't sit there and drink it all night either. A couple of these, if you bike it a little bit, you know, it's not bad. It's tradition, I guess. Not for me, but I mean, I guess some families really get into this, and we never did growing up. Right. I I don't recall ever having having eggnog growing up in any of the family oh i always did yeah we never never, never and i was always did. too young to have it have it uh spiked but you know what i mean but uh you See, know we, we I, even, always had it we didn't even go that far we i don't ever recall having it i think the first time i tried it was maybe about 15 years ago when right. i was making it you know and adding brandy to it and i came across the recipe and i was like okay this isn't bad for a couple for a couple glasses or a glass like this at night. And I could do this for a few weeks and then be good for the next, yeah. kind of like me eating a ham. You know, yeah, after it's... Easter, I'm good for the next, uh, you know, 364 yeah. days. Yeah. You know? I can't, I can't like to drink eggnog at like, let's say, you know, the middle of summer, it just doesn't seem right, you know, whatever. But anyways, I want to do a, you know, I was watching uh, some holiday movies recently. Cause that's just what you do this time of year. Right. And uh, I know I had this conversation on social media before, but I wanted to talk about it here because it just made me uh, think like I was watching Elf and watching Planes, Trains and Automobiles was, you know, just two movies that are just hysterical. You can name a lot of movies that are funny for the season, but those two kind of stick out as, as being gut busters. But, um, you know, it just made me think I, why like when's the last time you you really belly laughed at a movie uh, have there been any recent movies that you just like laughed hysterically at i'm gonna tell you what in the last almost three years now i haven't seen that many movies as far as new ones okay go back 10 years um can you name any <laughs> i don't know i don't i can't even go back and name anything for i mean the ones that cracked me up the most were well, I was younger too, and I might have something to do with it, but we're probably from made in the seventies or the eighties. And of course well, that's I, when I saw no, more that's my movies point. back in. I, I I'm you know, I don't want to blanket the 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 world or the country by saying uh or asking the question, have we lost our sense of humor? I mean, I'm not saying that there's not comedies out there. There's, you know, like, you know, as as we know from whenever we uh, had Rocky Laporte on the show, you know, that people know that I'm working on a on a golf comedy, and I wouldn't consider the 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 movie to be a, a, a gut buster, belly laughing, and I, I would, you know, wish that's the way it, it kind of turned out, but uh, it's pretty funny. I mean, it's it's got a lot of good comical uh, parts to it, and it'll make you laugh, but 
like when I think about how hard I was laughing at planes, trains, and automobiles or, or elf and stuff like that, no matter how many times I, I watched those movies um, or I can, you know, you can name a you know, dozen other movies from 20 years ago. Um, you know, I can't recall a recent movie where I laughed the same way. And like, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out why that is. I, you know, is it just the fact been done. that, I mean, there's, well, you know, every yeah, scenario everything, has been done. Yeah, I know, but that, forget about the scenario that you can redo stories. I mean, every every story just about in Hollywood is a retelling of a different story of another story. But um, it, it's the the writing. It's like what to well to me, I, I shouldn't say that the, the funniest movies to me um, as of recent in the last 10 years have, have probably been like you know, animated movies, you know, of all the things. Uh, and some of those are pretty funny, but I, I still wouldn't call them like, like belly laughing, hysterical movies. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know what it is. And it's just a weird phenomenon where there were so many movies from this, you know, seventies, eighties and nineties, and maybe going into early 2000 that were hysterical movies that were just so funny. And, uh, yeah. you know, I just even remember like, you know, Tom Hanks obviously doesn't do, uh, comedies anymore although he has a recent movie out that uh, i think he filmed in pittsburgh here that's a comedy but it's one of those highbrow comedies you know you're not going to laugh your ass off at it um you know michael keaton doesn't do that anymore um and a lot of movies he was in were were pretty darn funny movies um you know is it so is it the actors is it the writers these like millennial writers that just don't have a sense of humor and don't know how to write maybe we're not yeah, but maybe because we're a little older, we're not seeing those movies that maybe so many younger people are seeing. See, I don't know. I really don't. You know, in the last few years, I haven't really kept up on. On well, see, I have. I mean, I, I always like to watch trailers, and I always like to see what's what's up and coming and what's out there. And if something looked good enough, I'd probably want to go see it. Uh, it's like most of the most of the laughs that I've had throughout movies were not comedies. It's just you know, like even like in some of the Avenger movie, or I mean the the Marvel movies, like the, you know Guardians of the Galaxy. There's some pretty funny parts in Gar in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, um, but you know that's not a comedy. It's uh, you know in uh, Thor Ragnarok there was a lot of funny moments in that, but again, not a comedy. Um, I don't know what it is. It was just on my mind. It's just I, 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 I can't quite put my finger on it. And maybe it, maybe it's the times that we're in because I read a post just today. Um, Steve Carell posted it. It was a statement by Mindy Kaling, who said uh, the Office could never be made today. It would, it would just offend too many people if it were made today. And she's one hundred percent correct. So I think that is points to the fact that I know there's, there's no denying. I guess it all depends on your taste of comedy, but by and large, most people who like The Office think it was a pretty funny show, including me, right? Yeah. So does 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 that mean that comedy has changed or people have changed where they're just so easily offended that you can't joke you know, about certain things? I don't, you know, and I don't even know if I buy into that. I think the biggest thing is when we see posts saying, making reference back to say to Jefferson's, which was a spinoff of All in the Family. Right. And it's different when it's put out that way than versus real life to me. Like I could remember, you know, when I was friends with John Cardo, I mean, we were close for decades. You know, we kid each other. He'd make fun of me about being Polish and he might see some game that says, 
No, it's from kids 14 and 13 and older and Polish people 30 to 35, so 30 and older. <laughs> so you, right. you should be able to play. And it's just all kidding around. But I remember one time when I worked for this company that sold liposuction equipment many years ago, I remember this account, the account, the account, not an accounting director, it's a small company, it's one person. And she was pissed off about something. And I, with a billing situation with a with a doctor who had a Polish last name like me. And she goes, I've had enough of this dumb Polak. No. And I said, you do know that I'm 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 Polish too. And she says, well, are you 100% Polish? I says, no, I'm about half. She said, well, then that's okay. And I'm going to tell you what, <laughs> as much as you can make a fuck. That's okay? But, yeah, no, you're okay. No, she said, you're okay. You know, oh, you don't hell? count in, in that mix of that. I'm going to tell you what, that's probably really the only time in my life that I've heard something like that where it was actually the way she said it was for a real insult. I have to admit, it got under my skin and I almost yeah. I almost snapped on her. But when they laid us off, when the company was dissolving here in Pittsburgh and going, the family on part was going back to California and I let go. I'm not going to say what I did, but I walked in her office because she was from that part of the company and she came out here where she was having an affair with the married vice president and, and you took a dump sign. on her desk no i just i oh. and i'm not going to sit here and say <laughs> to where they might bleep us out here you know when if we try to if there's younger people who'll watch this but i was pretty insulting to her and i was i was swearing at her and i didn't yell i just said it in this kind of conversation just to insult the shit out of her and i never would do something like especially for an at an employer but i right. have to admit now if somebody I don't know is out there yelling about Polish people, <laughs> but if you're saying it and I'm there and you're talking about it, yeah, you know, they're trying to be like, make it, it a, a derogatory I wasn't statement. sure if she was here because the guy ended up being right. The doctor right. ended up being right. If, and I was on his side telling story. So I don't know if she's saying a comment and didn't know that I was nearby and it was to me and him or to him or just to me. But I have to admit that did, that did really tick me off. And that, as far as on TV shows, I loved all in the family. And when he ripped, when Archie ripped on the meathead for being Polish all the time, I got a kick out because it was. It was just it, on in comedy. It wasn't it was trying in, to be It was hurtful. on TV. Yeah, it wasn't real life. It wasn't something that was actually going, going on. So, you know, just like I got a kick out of the Jeffersons when George Jefferson always ripped on Wilson, you know their neighbor up above about being married to a black woman, but he, she, he'd always rip on him about being white and fat. Right. And I got a kick. I knew he ripped on about eating or being white and white. And I thought it well, was, because it was, it was funny. funny. It wasn't, yeah, it was funny because it, it was, but it wasn't, it wasn't in real life where somebody was actually saying that as an insult. It's but see, TV, that's the TV. point. That's the point. And, and I think to what Mindy was saying, that the reason that stuff like that won't go today is because people take it too personally. They, they're, they're not going to sit back and watch it as something that's supposed to be funny and should be funny. They're going to take it personal of, of things that are being said like that. And that's a, that's a problem, you know, that we all need to laugh. We all, and, and, and the more we laugh and the harder we laugh, I think the better our lives will be. We're, everybody's just so serious right now. And, you know, every, that you know, the, the country being divided and stuff like that. It's like, we, we need a release and, and, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe somebody, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be me because I'm not sure if I would be in that position, 
but needs to write one of those just old time type of funny movies where you just don't care if you're offending anybody. It's just, if it's funny, it's funny. If it offends someone, oh, well, it's unapologetic, you know, because it's not meant to offend anybody. You're not doing it in a hurtful way. You're not trying to be mean to anybody. You're just trying to be funny, you know, and, I, and maybe we need something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Now, I, you know, what I think a lot of times, too, is I don't think as many people are as are that offended. I think somebody out there to the extreme is making it an issue that people oh, yeah, are everybody's offended. looking to be offended. They're, yeah, yeah, they're, I, they're I have... looking for that. They've complained about it, but I think mo the average person probably isn't that offended. If it's meant at satire. I mean, it's different if you had, you know, somebody was going out there and it was a movie about murdering Polish people versus Archie Bunker making fun. He made fun. I don't he, I, Whatever he was, he made fun of every nationality right. and religion out there. It was just either you're, if you weren't exactly what he was, he had a rip for everybody. <laughs> I just, I, I just got a kick out of it. Well, you know, and this is going to be a, a bold statement and a lot of people will probably agree with it. And a lot of people probably won't agree with it, but you know, there's, and I'm trying to figure out a, a good way how to put this. Um, I think everybody would agree that I don't say everybody. I think a lot of people would agree that most people who are offended by things are looking for reasons to be offended. Like, I don't think it really truly offends them or affects them. I think what they're hearing doesn't sound right to them. And because a lot of times you'll hear people who are offended for somebody that for something that's said that has nothing to do with them. Right. And it's usually white people being offended by something that somebody says about a black person or about a native American or about a Chinese person, or whatever. And, and, and if you say something it's almost like they feel as though they should be offended for the person. So I don't think they really feel offended. I think they feel as though it doesn't sound right. So they need to stick up and, and, and protect those people, whatever, for whatever reason. So, and I'm not saying that's in every case in every situation, but I just think that there are people that are looking for reasons to be offended when there's no offense there, there's no offense made, there's no offense intended. Um, but yet people take offense to it. Right. I don't know. I think, I, I think there are times where, where, where somebody could say, you know what? We're not that many people are being offended by, it, but it's not the right thing to do, or it's not the right thing to say. Well, you no, know, well, I mean, there might be things that I could hit around by being Polish that might not, I've heard that doesn't offend me, but doesn't mean that it's the, it just like with the, the coworker that I had, even if that didn't irritate me, I was okay with it. I was like, yeah, she's just some idiot. Right. It's still not, it's still not right. And I think sometimes a lot of people can't, they, they can't draw that line and they make it more than what it's supposed, what it's supposed to be. And sometimes if you make it more than it's supposed to be, you'll pick up some people who weren't thinking anything about it. All of a sudden now, you know, are offended by it or they're upset about it or, whatever the, whatever the scenario is out there. I mean, people, you know, I mean, it's, it's different kidding around with somebody that, you know, and versus making an insult to somebody 
because you're wanting to hurt their feelings. Right. I just it's think we, we need, we need more thing. comedy. We need more reasons to laugh. We need maybe a, a modern day weird Al Yankovic rising up in the ranks of the music world. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know so, if there's going to be another one of him. At least not anybody that had the success uh, that he has. Probably not. Or still has. Got, I mean, maybe. I'm blown away by, I never realized. He's still relevant. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the crazy thing is when I see that every, even in all these years that have gone by since the 80s, every album he's put out is at least gone gold. That blows me away. Some have gone mm-hmm. platinum. I don't know anybody's bought any of his records before, but somebody is. I remember when I was with Ann, her son, when he was, you know, 10, 11 years old, they, Weird Al Yankovic put out some mm-hmm. album and he's he's listening to it. Yeah, you know, yeah. he did that Toto cover with Weezer, and he's uh, got a movie now out with with Daniel Radcliffe playing him. And um, yeah. so, yeah, I you know, heard I mean, about he's, that. He's, I gotta see he's that. Still, he's still relevant, I guess. But anyways, I want to I want to boast about something real quick before uh, we we have to take a break. So let's cue it. Level boast. All right, since it's the the Christmas season. Um, there's something I have to boast about because it was a Christmas gift I got last year that it forget about Christmas time. It's probably the best purchase. <laughs> and that's a pretty bold statement. The best purchase of anything um, we've I've ever had. Um, and even though it was a gift, but I'm, I'm talking about the Ninja foodie air fryer. It, the, the, the air fryer has been a game changer. Yeah, I, I mean the, the 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 just making chicken in there, making and you name it, anything I put in there, it just turns out like better than anything I could cook on the stovetop or in the oven or you name on the grill. It just it it's amazing, and and you know I know I was I was late to the party. Air fryers have been around for a while, and my sister had one and was boasting about it and. Um, oh, you got to get an air fryer. I'm like, what's the big deal? It's just an air fryer, whatever. Uh, I'm telling you right now, people, if you don't have an air fryer, uh, ask to get one for Christmas or buy one for your significant other for Christmas or you buy it for your kids and then tell them that you're going to use it all the time. I don't care. Just uh, it, you you will thank me later. Um, get yourself an air fryer for Christmas. And uh, I mean, there's unlimited things you can make. And I'm constantly looking up recipes of things that I've I've made other traditional ways before, and so I can figure out ways to make it in the air fryer, and 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 like the Ninja Foodi is like more than just an air fryer, right? It, it you can bake in it, you can uh, do your um, uh, pressure cooking in it, you can do uh, your your steaming. It has like nine different functions that you can do in it, and um, I've used it of all the nine or ten functions that it has. I think I've used only maybe four or five <laughs> like half of them and uh so i need to probably experiment and find other ways to use some of the other uh ways to use the 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 ninja foodie but i would recommend everybody going out and getting one or asking for one for christmas so how about you anything you want to boast about today well i do but it's not here yet it'll be here on friday so okay. i'm just going to tell everybody they changed the recipe on the evans williams eggnog it's different now and it's a lot better i mean a lot of people you know didn't like it because it was just so powerful of a flavor of bourbon to it now it's been nice and smoothed out 
it's not that expensive. It's under $15 a bottle at the, wherever you buy uh, your fine spirits and wines. Um, it's getting hard to find, actually. Um, I know that I was going to buy another bottle of this locally, and the two, uh, we're here in Pennsylvania, so uh, the state owns the liquor, liquor stores, and they're out of it already. Mm. I don't know what I'm going to do. We're only in early, <laughs> early December. I probably would drink three more bottles of this before the end of the year. Well, but, you just have to keep an eye out for it when you're out yeah, and about. Yeah, forget about the Pennsylvania Dutch. That's out there. It tastes like suntan lotion. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's like you feel like you should start rubbing on your I've body. I've never and had it. What happened, Mike? I went out. I don't know. There, there we go. I don't know. You must wow. have bumped something. Maybe. Um. You know, so this, the Evan Williams is the way to go if you want alcohol in it. Obviously, if you're not, you don't want alcohol, you don't want this Evan Williams product. You could go with the Southern Comfort. It's pretty good. It's in the store. Although, if you don't, if you want to beef it up a little bit, adding some Southern Comfort and it really doesn't increase the heat that much. It's, it's a good mix. Cool. All right. Well, let's end this segment. Most. All right, so we have uh, a, a different kind of guest coming up after the break here, uh, Trevor Tyson. And, uh, you know, I really love this season so far because we're really getting a good mix of, of guests on. And as a as a teaser, <laughs> wait till uh, next month and the next Blabberbrain show. We got another really special guest uh, coming up. But, uh, you know, we're trying to always expand our audience and also expose the people that we have interviews with to our audience. Um, so and I think Trevor fits that bill. I think you'll be intrigued by his story as a young guy, self-made guy and uh, listen to his story. And uh, so make sure you, you stick around for that interview. But first, before we go away for a break, I thought we'd have to be nice for the holiday seasons to do a little bit of uh self-indulgence and uh you know pimping of our co-host the big m over there uh last year when we had our christmas special um uh, we you weren't done with the video yet i was i was putting this video together for you and it wasn't done in time for the show uh so we couldn't feature it on the show but we did talk about it so we wanted to show you right now the big m's uh music video for can i bring them home for christmas so, Damn, I thought you wanted me to play my flutophone tonight. You can play that all you want, though, but the, everybody else is going to watch the video right now, so you can play Yeah, the you'd probably you be want. better off watching the video. I hope you <laughs> like it. All right, we'll be back uh, just after this. Christmas, the timing feels just right. 
My grandma's in the kitchen I'm helping by her side My grandpa brought his guitar And I get to play along Those were the best days of my life My father was a flawed man Hidden from most to see The bottle and a fast car At seven he left me In between the good times His hands upon my mom There are some things I need to hear Can I bring them home for Christmas? I'm standing all alone Wondering what will happen When he walks right through the door Did he make it up to heaven? Did he have enough good deeds? Wonder what he thinks of my life I'm so proud of you, my son My passing was the best thing for your life Can I bring them home for Christmas? One day is all I need Put my arms around them Is the only gift I need Forget about the presents That lay beneath the tree Make it the best day of my life Make it the best day of my life And there you have it, the Big M's, Can I Bring Them Home for Christmas? It's a very heartwarming song. And uh, boy, you know, you are really reaching the depths of your soul with your music lately. Um, you know, your, your scars are beautiful. That video is still out there and people are still yammering about it. And rightfully so. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it was the right video for the right song, but I think people are more attracted to the song than the video. It's like, it's just a really good song. And, and like I said, you're just peeling back the, the shield of the big M and letting people see your heart a little bit. <laughs> and um, so um, I think can I bring them home for Christmas and your scars are beautiful as well as uh, a lot of the other songs on your EP, uh, just me and hopefully you. Is that right? Did I get that title right? Yeah, you have it right. I thought so. <laughs> so make sure you you get it where where all music is streaming. Yep. You have it on all platforms, correct? It's every, I think it's, it's on it's free, it's 33 different Hey, I think it's on th 33 different platforms with about 25 of them I never heard of before. <laughs> so there's no everywhere. excuse for not listening to the Big M's music. Um you just wherever music is it's kind of like what? What did that? Was that Sam Goodies or were Camelot or something? Wherever music, wherever fine music is sold, wherever it's a, I know Sam Goodies, Goody got it. But anyways, wherever fine music is streamed, we're gonna coin that phrase. Anyways, so we're gonna take a short break, and when we get back, you are going to meet Trevor Tyson of Trevor Talks. We'll be right back. Blabberbrains, and welcome back to Blabberbrains Show. Our Christmas. New Year's, what do I call this? Holiday extravaganza blowout 
special. Okay. I think you touched it, right? <laughs> and we got with us our very special guest, Trevor Tyson. Let's give him a big round of applause. Yeah. I'm giving myself a round of applause just for you kicks should. and giggles. You should. Because <laughs> you're, you're an incredible young man. I, I tell you what, uh, Trevor uh, and I met through Lacey Sturm several years ago, I think. You when you were announcing her at the Akron show, um, mm-hmm. that that seems so long ago. You know what I mean? It just seems yeah. forever ago. It was and, uh, um, it was twenty nineteen, yeah, twenty nineteen yeah. in Akron, Ohio. And then um, we've met over at Lacey's house too mm-hmm. before. Um, so I've known known you for for a few years now, and um, I, the reason I wanted to have you on uh, as a guest is because of the fact that I've just been amazed at what you've created for yourself since I've met you. Right. And then the more I found out about your, your background, your story and um, how young you are and all this other stuff, it's like, you're, you're, you're an anomaly because of your age and being a self-made successful person. I say successful because you're doing what you set out to do. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. you know, regardless of at what level you want to consider success, you're doing it right. Wow. And uh, so that includes uh, you. You have your own um, uh, PR. Is it a PR or marketing company? Uh, Transparent Media. All of it. Classes. That's marketing and, and PR. All of and stuff it. Yeah. Like that. But you're you're most widely known for being on my end and interviewing other people <laughs> with Trevor Talks, and uh, we'll talk about both of those things. But um, let's get a little bit of background because, like I said, you know, I'm sure that a lot of people in our audience don't know who you are, but Mm -hmm. you've got a pretty darn big following out there. So it's not like people that you talk to on a regular basis. Everybody knows you. So we want to introduce (laughs) you to our crowd. And uh, one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on there. So you you live in the uh, what just outside of Atlanta. Is that right? Yeah, I'm about an hour east of Atlanta in a tiny town called Social Circle. It's okay. uh, we've I I don't know what the census would say, but it's probably still under three thousand people that live here. Wow. We have one <laughs> stoplight. Um, it's it's a very simple tiny town. We just right. got a Waffle House. Like this is big news, nice. breaking news. Here's <laughs> the national announcement that Waffle House is now in social circle. It's big news. Um, I don't even have a Waffle House near my house. Yeah, Dude. either do I, and I'm on <laughs> the other side of town from. Him. Is your area more like rural farming? Oh yeah. Like oh that? yeah. Yeah, right okay. across the street from me. It'll be funny. I'll be on um, like Zoom calls with clients, and there will be a cow in my yard, and I'll just flip the camera and be like, "Look at that!" Like they're and they're like, "Is that a cornfield across from me?" Sure is. Sure well, is. My, so. my my brother lives uh, right around the Stone Mountain area, so he's not too far from mm-hmm. you. So yeah, and, probably about thirty thirty ish minutes. Next, Next time I'm I'm down visiting him, we'll have to hook up or something. So, I also don't tempt recently, me with a good time. <laughs> no, I, there will definitely be a good time. Trust me, yes. involved. Um, but uh, I also recently found out that I mean I knew you guys were friends. I just didn't know how far back it went. But friend of the show and former guest on Blabberbrain Show, Cindy Mothership Blankenship. You guys <laughs> go way back to to your teen years. Uh, tell me about your relationship with Cindy. Yeah, so Cindy and I met way back when, and I act like I'm like 50 or something. I'm 25. We met in my early teen years, and I like obviously lived an hour outside of the city, so getting to a concert wasn't the easiest thing in the world for me. But um, I met Cindy through them being fans of Skillet 
and I was as well. So her daughter had did some merch pieces and art and they were watching the skillet mm-hmm. podcast. I found Cindy and um, she ended up taking me to a bunch of concerts growing up winter jam, which is where I first started serving to, I guess, kind of get on the path that I'm on today started from volunteering at like winter jam events and stuff. So me and her have known each other for over a decade and uh, actually got to return the favor as of recently. I drove her with my mom up to Chattanooga to catch uh, some of our friends, uh, the protest amongst mm-hmm. the giants and disciple in Chattanooga right. and Cindy got to tag along with us. So yeah, it's kind of came full circle. It was a fun time. <laughs> That's awesome. So, Okay, so let's uh, let go back to your your uh, younger days, and we'll work our way up here uh, to present. Um, did, did you grow up in a Christian household, or how did you how did you get involved in the Christian rock music? Uh, how did you like how did that get introduced to you? Like, like what sure. was your progression as a youth? Yeah, so I was raised up in a Christian household, but it was never like shoved down your throat. So like if we woke up on a Sunday and we didn't want to go to church, like we were going to church, but we never got corrected like, oh, you shouldn't feel that way and quit being lazy. La-di-da. It was like very casual country Christian household. Um, I made the decision for myself probably around the age of uh, 14 or 15 to pursue ministry for a lifestyle. Um, And what that, I know that looks like for me now at the time I was like, Oh, evangelism and this and that. Now I know like everything you do in life can be a ministry of some sort, whether you're Christian or not, like, who are you serving? How are you serving? Like, how are you living? What are you going to do? Right. So I started going to a church here in town. That was a lot more, um, Let's just put it this way. Instead of having a choir, they had a drum kit, which was a really big deal for me. I loved it. And just getting involved with that church and hearing about Skillet and your fly leaves and all of these things, it grew an interest in my mind. And I remember the first time I heard Skillet was on a WWE pay-per-view called Hell in a Cell. It was the song Monster that was playing. Run over to the computer, look up Skillet Monster Clean, because obviously a rock song that good has to be filthy. Like the band's (laughs) not going to be a Christian band or anything like that. But to my surprise, they were. And from there, I just like became a lifelong fan of Skillet. And uh, had my mom take me to one of their concerts, luckily. Got to meet the violinist. I thought I was on cloud nine. And um, from that point on in 2010, it was like, okay, I'm really into this stuff. Like, I'm overly into it. Like, joining fan clubs, buying merch with money I didn't have, you know, just all the good <laughs> stuff, right? Right. And so from that point on, it was like, okay, Cindy took me to Winter Jam, got to volunteer at Red's booth. But all these little opportunities that I, I was getting at the time, I didn't realize what was happening, but it was networking and just Mm -hmm. slowly networking, like from merch on up, learning just about every single aspect of a live event from seeing the people that work for the venue all the way up to the people on stage, like just never having an intention with what I was doing, but knowingly like, I need to like get involved somehow. So if they're not going to let you in the front door, you got to kick your way in through the back. And that's how I jokingly say I got in. It's like, you serve your butt off. And if God's really called you to do what you're actively pursuing and pressing forward on, he's going to make sure that you hit the right doors. And so just kicking them in, had no expectations. And now it's like my career path. And to that, it's just like a whole testimony of, oh, you're from a tiny town. How are you able to do this? Like, don't you need to live in Nashville, this or that? No. Like, 
in today's day and age, you have an internet connection. I'm assuming both of you are in uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio area. We're both in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. So you're in Pittsburgh and we're able to have a phone call right now, just like we're in front of each other, having a conversation via Zoom. So it's all about, are you going to chase this thing because you want it or are you called to do it? And if it's because you want it, better make sure that's exactly what you want. Because right. <laughs> if you get there and it's a little bit darker than you thought it was going to be, you're in for a world of trouble. So like, I just felt the call at a young age had crazy interest in the music scene for launch strategies and things I didn't even have words for at the time. But the big thing was I would look up like interviews on YouTube with John Cooper and um, even Lacey Sturm, like all these people that I looked up to in the music world and I would hear their words and be strongly encouraged by it. So now being in my 20s and being able to provide that content to people on a, a little bit bigger scale is just a full circle moment. It's a dream come true. And it, it wasn't easy. And we're not exactly where I see it ending yet. But like, I really feel drawn and called to do exactly what we're doing. So just a little bit of encouragement for anybody out there. Like if you're doing it and people are persuading you elsewhere and trying to talk you out of doing it, you're probably doing the right thing. So don't listen to well, them. Well, <laughs> it's, you know, you can easily look back now, even though you're still in the process of doing what you're doing, you, 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 you know, there's a sense of I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be, but I'm probably not where I'm supposed to be yet. Like I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not where I'm ultimately supposed to be. Yeah. And uh, that's just, you know, being aware that, that God is guiding you um, your, your footsteps in your paths, in your career and whatever. And, you know, just like everybody else, you know, we're, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to get off that path a little bit because we, we discerned improperly <laughs> about something and, but, you know, it usually gets corrected and, you know, gets back on, on the right path. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, so when you're, Getting involved with the bands, okay? I know you're working the the merch tables and stuff like that. At what point in time did you feel as though, like you like you're in the middle of all this? But then, at what point in time do you say this is like I got to do something with this more than just helping out at concerts and at merch tables? I got to do something else. Like, it, what, what, how old were you when when that notion came to you? Fourteen or fifteen? Wow, years old, and um. I'm still not above like uh, doing merch. In fact, if you find me at a show that I'm attending and I know the people, I'll you'll see me at the merch table at some point throughout the night just because <laughs> I get antsy and I'm like, they could be selling a lot more if they would do this. So I'll just get out of the way, like move, let right. me do it. And like, a, <laughs> there's a joke that runs around in some of the band circles that uh, my name is Trevor Bundles because I'll just bundle everything. It's like, oh, you want one of everything? Like, blah, blah, blah. like run some numbers real quick. Like, we'll do it for this, you know? <laughs> so like a bartering and I'm the king of like coaching artists. Like if you want a really good merch person, you should probably put them on a commission. Like right. just think outside the box, go after it, figure it out. And yeah, all the fuel that got put on that fire started at merch tables and such. So even before I met Cindy, like uh, there was a local band called Crystal Padilla Music and it was a worship band and I would travel with them at mostly Spanish churches where they didn't speak Spanish at all, or I didn't. And um, I'd be selling merch and like using Google Translate, figured out like 
it was a fun time and I contribute some of those early years to like figuring out like, okay, not everybody's going to listen to you. So you need to get used to that and get used to talking to a brick wall and having a successful pitch or this or that, like for the first several years, like nobody wanted to hear a word I had to say. And I didn't like look at it in that way. I was just like, okay, I got to overcome this obstacle some way or another. So you just start crafting your mold a little bit and a little bit and a little bit, and then it snowballs into something else. So if you're doing something right now and you know you're on the right path, but it's not working out for you, hold fast. Like you'll figure it out eventually. You almost sound like a musician and just how you, how you've been talking about everything from doing the merchandising and everything mm -hmm. like that. You do, you sound like a musician is trying to break into, <laughs> into the music business. It's funny because I work with a lot of bands for launching their records, uh, concepting, announcements, launch strategy, all that stuff. But I kind of view Trevor Talks as uh, it's a brand. So is a band. A band is a brand. So it's the same thing, really, except for um, artists get compensated on streams, podcasters and folks obviously don't. So um, their business model is like, okay, how much merch can we sell? How many tours can we get? And um, how many, like sh how much stream revenue can we build up for podcasters? It's like, okay, we got to get some sponsors. Maybe we'll get some affiliate links eventually, but it's never been about money for me. And most bands that make it really successful, it was never about money for them either. And most of the bands that we're working with now are exactly doing that. Like, Hey, we don't really care if we ever make a dime. Like we just want to encourage people. And it's the same thing that I stay like in that lane for myself. Once you get your eyes off of what you've really been chasing and business comes into it, it gets a little bit cloudy. But once you fight through that, you realize like, okay, there were some clouds there, but maybe you need to hover above the clouds or go a little bit lower to figure out where that clarity is for your brand. So whether it's throwing marketing money into it, creating strategies, uh, branding your craft, like, it's all a process. Learn to enjoy the ride. Well, then at, uh, you know, Trevor talks, um, kind of evolved, right? You, you started mm -hmm. it off as just like these little sound bites that you would yeah. get on there and, and, you know, talk about, you know, a, a multitude of different things, whatever mm -hmm. happened to be on your mind. And it was very short little segments. Very short. Um, and then you you transitioned that to an actual you know podcast show where you were talking more at length and then you started interviewing people um at at like who was the first guest you had on that just blew everything up for you man that's such a good question and the answer is actually going to surprise you um the first person I ever called to do an episode with me was Sherry Rigby, who's a Christian actress. Yeah, she told um, me about that, by the way. I, I, I know Sherry, yeah. So she, oh, she did tell me best. about that. Yeah. Yeah, like she was the first person I called. And honestly, we had some big guests. Like right out of the gate, we had Sherry, Matt Hammett from Sanctus Real. Like I called in a bunch of friends. And then like the sixth episode was one of my bucket list guests, which was Jake Lures from the band August Burns Red. But mm. surprisingly the bigger the names got, the lower the downloads got. Mm. So I had to earn whatever notoriety or whatever it is, perspective from people. Like I had to earn the fan base just as everyone else does. It doesn't matter how big the guest is. If you don't have like credibility, notoriety or a voice or like just a unique perspective on something, it doesn't matter who you get. And a lot of times your guest doesn't share it as often. So you're, 
literally building something from the ground up. And you you hit the nail right on the head with it started as like a short sound bites. So I'll just have something on my mind to make a video about it, put it on Facebook. And that's where the first initial traction came from. But Trevor Talks was a thing before the podcast, right. but it was not as successful as a, of a thing. I had tried to do a daily show there for a while, obviously even thinking about that, like makes my head want to explode now, like way too much work. Can't do that. Um, but even when I was on tour with Lacey and then after that, it was touring with mercy me, like the podcast wasn't a thing there. Like Trevor talks was a brand. Like, um, the guy that does not mercy me's merch would see me in the hallways and start just a jingle. Trevor talks, Trevor talks, like <laughs> just singing and being funny. But it wasn't until COVID shut down tour that I flew straight home. I was like, okay, I got to start this thing. Like I knew for the longest time what I wanted to do. I just never did it because I never had the time. So then we have a global pandemic. Um, we can't tour anymore. And I fly home and start a podcast. And the rest is history. And there was never like one guest that just changed everything. In fact, the first maybe 40 episodes, I'd get on a good week, like 10 downloads. <laughs> well, and you know, yeah, that's, a, I mean, yeah. you, you, it, the, the amazing thing is seeing like where you started and, and where you're at right now. I mean, like as Mark and I started this show for the same reasons, you know, he and I used to hang out at a cigar bar and just blab away and talk, you know, it's, it's a lot of times we call the show blabber brains because a lot of times it was insightful and, and in-depth conversations. It wasn't just you know, fluff, like talking about, you know, what, you know, what, what you stepped in today or something like that, you know, or, yeah. or how bad work was or anything like that. It, it was more in-depth conversations. So, and people seem to be entertained by our talk. So we, that's where we transitioned to the show. Um, but, you know, we're still, you know, trying to build our base. We, you know, on any given show, we have anywhere from, you know, four to 10,000, you know, views on our, on our episode. Incredible. And, well, yeah, but th that's not translating to followers, but you got, Correct. Like, how, how many followers you got on Facebook, like 35,000 or something like that? Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, you yeah. got a lot, you got, you got, um, you know, a lot of followers. So I'm gonna have to talk to you off the air sometime about, you know, what your, what, you know, what your success was as far as that it's goes. It's vulnerability, but not for the sake of vulnerability. Somebody said this the other day and I can't remember who it was. Um, it may have been Adam from St. Asonia or somebody brought up like, you don't be vulnerable for the sake of being vulnerable. You be vulnerable for the sake of helping someone else through it. Right. And that's like the method, I guess. Like when I started opening up about my struggles with anxiety and depression and I had a clothing brand for a little while called fear is a liar. Like it was we talking talk about, about that. Yeah. About shortly, by the way. So like we, or I just got vulnerable about the struggles I was going through and living in such a small town, it was actually frowned upon for the longest time. Like a guy being open about anxiety, like, oh, you're a big baby. You're a wuss, like uh, grow up, quit being a whatever. Like I heard it. And um, then the people that were saying that um, end up in therapy for themselves and thanking me years down the line. Wow. Yeah, sure. So mm -hmm. just so what you were just saying, but as far as dealing with that in a small town, it's sort of, it, it, even though it's not the, it's the same situation, but a completely different story. Like I grew up in the mill towns. I'm, mm -hmm. I live five, seven minutes away from where the old mills here in the Pittsburgh area used to be. 
and sort of that whole stigma as far as depression and anxiety is looked at exactly the same way as you're saying mm -hmm. is from just living in a small town. And here I'm living it, you know, I'm living here near a city at one time that was this pretty much the still capital of the world. And that was that same, it's that same thing. In fact, a lot of people's parents who had that big disconnect with them as time went on end up being that they, they had anxiety and depression issues, but they were, they were taught in the environment to keep your mouth shut. And they went on for year, decades mm -hmm. and decades and finally realized it. And it's in their, near the end of their life. Yeah, you know, it's just a shame yeah. that there's all that time, you know, whether it's, you know, struggling with a relationship with your wife or with your children. A lot of people I know dealt with that because of the because uh, of the parents or the father, in most cases, working in that meal and everything to that hard, grueling work. And it was always that sort of thing. You just suck it up and you move and you move on. And unfortunately, yeah. there's a lot of people, at least out my way, who have you know, especially older who have lost out on a lot of life because of what you just said. And it's simply like, because they didn't know they weren't educated on it. So when I hear people talking about their parents were hard on them uh, when they would open up about mental health, it's, I'm not defending the parents, but I also have that like vision in my brain of they didn't have any other way to know like how to deal with it because it's a very new thing for people to talk about, especially our parents grew up in a whole different generation. They didn't have all the cyber bullying and everything going on. They didn't have the world at the tip of their fingertips. So there's a lot of mental health concerns that have come up in the past few years, especially when you think about TikTok and kids getting bullied at school and then getting bullied at home for trying to be creative and stay up with trends and stuff. I remember reading a story about a girl that, tragically died by suicide a few months ago that was trying to do what everybody else was doing and did a TikTok dance, I guess butchered it and didn't do it as well as everyone else. She posted it trying to fit in. That was just one of the needles on the haystack, you know, it's, or whatever the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm getting all my redneck slang mixed up tonight. <laughs> and it's, it's just insane to think about like, I had a cell phone at when I started high school, but now you have cell phones when you're in primary school, which I can't imagine. Like it, it just seems very uh, premature to give kids that. And this could be a hot take. It could not. Um, I think within the next few years, we're going to realize that, okay, maybe they shouldn't have that access that early or they're going to figure out parameters to help safeguard our kids from that stuff. And I'm not a father or anything yet, but just an outside perspective, it's like, you know what? These kids are getting bullied at home and at school. And we don't know if their siblings are bullying them as well. So they never get to escape it. And when you build up the courage to finally say like, having these weird feelings in my stomach, my throat, like it feels like I'm being choked. My heart's racing. I can't think straight. People think like, oh, they're crazy or they're overreacting to something or maybe they're excited or they just want attention and it's still a very new topic but it's something especially in the faith-based com community that it has to be spoken up about and i feel like that's where a lot of people have gravitated towards the show and what we're doing specifically because there's not a lot of guys in i guess the rock or christian music world 
talking about it. It's still very taboo. And, yeah, um, um, I, you know, and along those same lines, um, you know, it's, it's funny you talking, you brought up like the Christian family because, um, we're, we're actually having discussions right now about, um, people who are interested in, in um, incorporating Lacey's film that we're working on with that, um, teen suicide prevention mindset, but towards faith-based families, because what they found out is a lot of times these faith-based families, it, it comes out like it hits them by surprise. They think as long as we're going to church every Sunday and we're reinforcing that at home, that my kids are safe, they're fine. And they're not. Yeah. And uh, their kids are facing the same problems that every other kid that's not in a Christian household faces. Um, but maybe some signs pop up um, from people who aren't necessarily so religious or whatever that, that, you know, are telltale signs, but for whatever reason, escape the the Christian family household because they just assume that their kids are fine. So I think there's a need for a special message to get out there about approaching Christian families to say, hey, you, you know, just because you go to church every Sunday and you even read the Bible every day and you've reinforced it with your kids, you still got to look for the signs and be, be on alert because your kids are going through the same uh, crap that all the other kids mm -hmm. are going through. And you got to know whenever there's a problem and, and, and yeah. have a lookout for that. So I think there's a real need for, to have something like that um, and, a, and a ministry that's focused on that. And we're, we're, we're working on that and hopefully we can go somewhere with that. But um, so growing up, with anxiety and depression and now you look and see where, where you're at right now obviously i'm not a, i'm not a doctor but i know people that have suffered from depression and anxiety um and they they do on a daily basis um i think even people that find a way to um i don't know, control is not a good word for it live with it or deal yeah with deal it. with it um it it's i don't i and like i said i'm not speaking as a doctor but it never really goes away does it you just learn how to deal with it and and so and some people deal with it better than others am i right in saying that um in my case it's something that i deal with like mm -hmm. ongoing um i mean some people have been healed from it um medication therapy like some things really just work for people but then there's also people like myself that are actively like i take medication i go to therapy i pray like but it's something that i've had to learn to like gradually just get a little bit better at and i don't beat myself up over it as much anymore and like even to the point of trying to mask that anxiety and depression with work has become an issue in my life like um it's, it's hard. Like when you start struggling with something, it's not just going to magically go away and you can't get mad when it doesn't go away. You just have to like keep showing up for the fight and everybody deals with it a little bit differently. There's no one size fits all method to heal this, but I think we're on the right path. And I think just being open to have a conversation with people is going to be a huge way to just help those people that wouldn't necessarily start the conversation, have it. Um, one of the viewpoints that I have towards the podcast in general and just doing conversations like this is somebody needs to hear it. Like maybe it's from me. Who am I to say that God can't use me to do that? 
Right. Um, it used to be like, man, who the heck wants to listen to me and having that like imposter <laughs> syndrome about it. And I'm like, I mean, I deal with it. So like, and not even in a cocky or arrogant way, it's just like, I might as well talk about it because I don't see very many other people in our lane doing it. So let's have well, a conversation. You never, know, you never know when that one conversation with one person uh, and one person listening you know, could it could affect them? It could change their life or whatever. And you know, we're we're not in the business in this life to to save people, yeah. right? That's that's up to God. Mm -hmm. And and but and I think there are times where we could probably do it accidentally, but it's not. But by our own knowledge, meanwhile, God, like I said, God is using us for various reasons and various things, and He knows what He's doing. He knows He's using mm -hmm. you as, as an instrument, or whatever. And but it's you might not even realize uh, because, you know, you have someone listening to your show and because of what they hear you say or someone else says that they decide that day not to kill themselves. And you never know about that because mm -hmm. they don't talk about it. They don't write to you. They don't say, hey, thanks for saving my life and blah, blah, blah. Whatever. You just don't know. You just got to keep on keeping on, right? You got to keep doing mm -hmm. what you're doing because this is what, what God has called you to do for right now. This is the, yeah. the season that you're in. And I think that's uh, something else I wanted to say was that, you know, I think we've had some, especially in season three here, we've had some pretty good guests on our show with, with uh, people who are fairly well known and, and have big followings and stuff. And to me, it's not about how many views our videos get. It's not about how many followers we get on social media. I, I'm having guests on the show because I, I find them interesting and I think they have a story to tell. And I think it's people that aren't necessarily, um, you know, getting the, I don't want to say getting the spotlight on them because most of these people have a spotlight on them, but like, I'll give you a good, good example. Like Ricky Phillips, he was, the, he's the bass player for sticks, but he's been around forever. Mm -hmm. He was in the band, the babies, he was in bad English. And, um, but when people think of those bands, they're not talking about the bass player, right? They're talking about the yeah. singer, they're talking yeah. about Neil Sean, the guitar player. They're talking about Tommy Shaw or whatever. They're not talking about the bass player. So I want to talk to those people who, um, who have something to say that someone might hear and be find interesting because if I'm interested in asking them questions and interviewing them, someone else might be interested in hearing that conversation. So, and so much, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to phrase how, why you're doing what you're doing, but to that point, you know, we're, we're not, making money off of doing what we're doing, at least not to sustain mm -hmm. ourselves for, for a living sure. having a podcast, you have to be doing it because you're getting something out of it during, for these interviews. Am I right? Yeah. Like for me, it was YouTube had just become a huge thing. And when I was a preteen into my teens, I found a lot of value in seeing my favorite artists interviews on, um, YouTube and then skillet had skillet podcasts. So like I was encouraged by those and it was just always in the back of my mind. I remember when podcasts became a thing and I was like, that's really interesting. And I see people's thumbnails and I've always been fascinated with cover arts. And so now like being able to work on that and figure out what we want our brand to look like, how we want it to be communicated. Um, the guests that we want to have on, it's like, it's a nonstop process. There's always something going on. And 
I just find so much hope and healing myself and having these conversations with even people that I grew up listening to that I never thought I'd have a conversation with, like um, Louis Giglio, for example. That was a big one for me personally because I've been to his church on and off for the past 10 years right. um, in Atlanta, and he leads passion movement. Like Passion movement's a global thing. Um, of course I know who Louis Giglio is. I grew up on his stuff. So that was a more recent one that was huge for me. Like, wow, like this actually happened. Then now hearing you, like, you're like, oh, we just had the bass player for sticks. And I'm like, dude, my mom loves sticks. And mom, <laughs> when you hear this, just know your son's on the same show as to do for sticks. We're doing it. Okay. We're going to do it. But it's, it's never been about like the views and stuff. And mm -hmm. it's easy to say that I have got caught up in that rat race before. But you can ask like the people that work with me, hands on. That's never my concern. We no, I mean, have. We, we want to try to get more people to watch the the videos, just for the reasons yeah. that we've talked about. But that's not the the reason why we're doing things. Yeah, it's, I could care it's less. It's more like the icing on the cake. Yeah, you know like I mean? we still have YouTube like interviews with people that maybe don't have as big of a name, and they'll get like twenty views, and it's like. Okay, should theoretically, when you think of a brand, it's like, okay, that one didn't do very well. Maybe we shouldn't do that again. But for me, I'm like, 23 people took time out of their day to watch that. And right. a business partner and people are like, mm, like, what are you talking It's like, hey, somebody like it. Somebody right. really did. <laughs> and I say do it. Uh, if somebody has a story and they're willing to share it and I feel gravitated to help them share that, that's what we'll do. But I would say on average, we get somewhere, we counted a few weeks ago, it was like 25 to 30 press releases a week for people pitching people to come on the show and we pick maybe one or two. And I remember the days where we would just have to like send out like cold emails to random emails trying to figure out who uh, is representing whoever. But, you know, it's, it's a very interesting thing to think about when you have so many people starting podcasts and most podcasts don't make it past episode seven. Right. And we just yeah. put out like episode 114 or wow. something like that. Yeah, it's like, me. all right. And now we like, just, we do it whenever we have time. That's pretty much what we do. <laughs> yeah. So like we don't do 52 episodes a year. There's 52 weeks in a year for those of you who haven't counted recently. <laughs> um, I don't count a lot either, so I don't blame you, but we uh, pretty much do weekly episodes in December. We kind of like take some time back to reevaluate and record for the next year. Um, so like right now we're recording for um, episodes that'll start coming out in January and the lineup keeps getting uh, more fun. And I'm just grateful to be in the room, honestly. With a lot of these conversations, it's just like, dang, like I never thought in a million years I'd be on a interview call with this person or um, after an interview going out to one of their shows, like, and it's not like, oh, look who they are. It's like, you know, I felt God prompt me and to start pursuing this in my early teen years and even preteens. So he didn't fail me. And that's a testimony from a tiny a kid from a tiny town in social circle. Can we just be... Well, oh, I just want to ask one quick question, Mark. Then just uh, hold that thought. Sure. Can I? Because this isn't going to take long to answer. Can we just be honest with ourselves and say that Cooper stuff is one of the most interesting podcasts on the internet? 
And we can also add to that that John Cooper's beard is an anomaly, yes, and Corey, Corey, like Corey Cooper is one of the coolest people on the planet. So absolutely, and the I'm, whole I'm family. trying to get Corey on our show, but uh, it hasn't been successful yet. But <laughs> so Corey, if you're watching, I want you on the show here. <laughs> She's the best, and she has the best conversations. Um, that whole camp really is just some of the best people on the planet, and I'm not just saying that to like butter anybody's rolls or anything like that, like. They're literally excellent people. Anybody that works with them, Christian or not, will tell you like they're good people. I've oh, yeah. I haven't heard a negative thing ever about I'll that hear camp. From Lacey. <laughs> so, ah! <laughs> Don't do it. Uh, yeah. So, would you want to ask more? Yeah, Trevor. Being that you, I went through some of the interviews that you've done over the last year, and I, I mean, you you really do a great job of focusing on people's struggles and things that they've overcome. Have you, with all the people that you've had an opportunity to talk to, have you ever started, you know, just like we're doing here, we're recording a podcast. We started talking to somebody about those challenges and maybe, you know, things aren't going for them well right now. Or there's something going on where they sort of have a breakdown or it just, or at the end of the podcast, you say, have said to yourself, I can't put this out there for people to see this person's really struggling. There's Am I embarrassing you right now, Mark? Here. Is that the fit? Is that, is that what you're <laughs> yeah, to well, I, I would just come <laughs> on and say it. <laughs> but I would just assume when you when you get that in depth with people and they start talking, I would think every now and then that you might come across somebody, someone who's for whatever re- it could be that they're just having a bad day or maybe there's really something that they're question. struggling yeah. with. You know, the, if you've ever had to say, you know, I'm not going to put this out. I'm going to reach out to them. I'm not going to put this out. I don't think this is a good thing for, for people to see. That's such a great question. We've had people break down and such. And of course we try to keep it as like raw as possible. But um, when we send it to them and they approve it, you know, like we've never had someone be like, Hey, we can't put this out or anything like that. We've had some people make some comments that we've decided not to put out and such, but for the most part, the reoccurring thing, which is still mind boggling to me is how many times after an interview, we hear people say like, I've been doing press for like two weeks for this. And this has like been the best interview I've ever done in my life. And hearing that I'm like, Oh, it's nothing I did. It's like, I I can't explain like the, there's no formula. It's just like, I literally have in my notes like a few different intros that I've written like, thank you for tuning into Trevor Talks podcast. We talk to real people about real topics or real stories. And I'll put like a reminder for myself to shout out our sponsor for the episode. And then I'll just come up with whatever their intro is. And I have the conversation in my head. Um, and I don't have them answering it, but just like, where could I see this going from here? But you'll see like my eyes move every once in a while, but we rarely stay on that. It's just like one time I had COVID and I was still doing interviews and I had to have something to keep my brain focused and remember what I was going to talk about. But we've never had anybody like have a full on breakdown, like wasn't okay. had to check into therapy. Of course, if that did happen, they, there wouldn't be a better place on the planet for them to have that. I'm literally one of those people that'll try to jump on a plane and come to you. Um, but we haven't had that yet. Um, I not wanting to say like, I'm expecting it or anything, Mm. but we just have honest conversations and there's no algorithm with it. It's like you said, I want to talk about where you came from, the obstacles you've gone through. 
the struggles that you've been able to overcome and how you got to where you are. Because what's more empowering for that person that's listening in a trailer in the middle of Montana to hear that, like, they're not the only one that had an abusive father and pursued their dreams. Um, one of the stories that's really impacted me in my life is Shania Twain's story, like hearing where she came from to who she is now. Insane, insane story. Mm-hmm. And yes, like uh, the one guest that I want to have on my show, Shania Twain. So wow. make it happen, Michael. I don't blame you. <laughs> like <laughs> that'd be I a great interview. That'd be we'll, a great we'll, interview. We'll put it in the tags, and maybe if someone will pick up on that. Dear on Shania, that Trevor does not mind feeling like a woman every once in a while. Just come <laughs> on a show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Well, yeah, but in today's day and age, that's not so unusual. So <laughs> I mean, I'd ha- I'd have a great time, and it would be a great conversation. I can guarantee you that. I'd get some Shania merch and be ready for a good time. Well, I don't. I don't want to. Uh, you know keep hammering on on the the obstacles you've had to overcome but i think this could be helpful for someone and i just want to kind of wrap up the topic with with this um as you know someone was dealing with with anxiety um i guess this would this would lean more to the anxiety than than the depression but i'm not like i said i'm not a doctor um and you're thrust into being in front of crowds of people, whether it be at a merch table or like with Lacey, you introduce Lacey and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, coming on the stage and stuff like that is, was that unknowingly helping you overcome things or deal with, uh, your, your anxiety or did that at some, in some way add to it? Was it more therapeutic or, or did it cause you to have to like focus more on the issues? That's a great question. One of the unique things that I experience is I'll have like crippling anxiety leading up and then I get there and I'm fine, but it's getting there. So for example, flying to a festival to MC in California, the drive to the airport is the crippling part for me. Once I get to the airport, I'm good. Um, And then there's times where we're at an event and I'm, puking behind the stage from panic attacks. So like, that's a real thing. And I'm very open about it. I would say that it, the repetition of being on the road helps a lot because you get used to it, you get used to it. And then like, now I'm in a season of not doing very many live shows. Like I may have to go through that again to get back to that. Right. So it's, it's just a ebb and flow. You have to figure it out how it works for you. For me personally, I know I'm going to have to muscle up some courage and fight it head on again. But if there's anything like I grow in the knowledge in my brain of like, okay, like I'm not going to let this hold me back. I got to go do this. And there's still times that I still try to dip out of things, but for the most part, I'll go down swinging and I'm just grateful for every single opportunity, big or small merch or on stage, whatever it is, just, to be in the room, be able to see people encountering change in their life, whether they came to a rock show that um, they just wanted to lose themselves in a mosh pit and hear an encouraging <laughs> word that they didn't know they were going to hear. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, every opportunity is an amazing opportunity if you look at it from a certain perspective. And I think it starts with your mindset. So I hope that answers the question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I again, I, I think that, uh, anybody that's kind of going through this that's at least in our audience um i just want them to know that you know it i know a lot of times it, like it could feel so crippling that you you can't do anything 
but just get inspired that, you know, I mean, it, putting yourself, it, putting yourself out there and pushing ahead and doing it is probably one of the hardest things you're going to do, but it's a great way, I think, to, to deal with that issue head on because it's not going to go away by itself. Nope. So you either uh, tackle it or you, you know, I would hope that you don't just curl up in a ball and, and, and just yeah. say, I'm never and that's going the big fight. I'm never gonna, yeah. That's the big fight. It's like, for me now, I'm like, okay, do I want to have anxiety here? Or do I want to have anxiety there? <clears throat> so right. I'm either going to curl up in a ball here or I'm going to fight through it. And then eventually throughout the night, I'll gradually start to feel better. But well, that's why I just want, I want, want yeah. people to, to, to hopefully have hope that um, there are ways of, of dealing with it. And like I said, you may never get rid of it. You may get rid of it. And yeah. uh, you know, Maybe. it's very, it's not impossible to get rid of uh, your, your, your troubles, but um, you're, you're more than likely going to find ways to live with it and to, to, to um, still live your life with it without it impeding on everything that you do. Um, even if it's there in the background or continually or whatever, just, uh, you know, take hope that there's, mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's, uh, there's hope for you. There That's is. I'm trying to get that. So, um, okay. The last thing I, I probably want to touch base on is, is you, you're, you're transitioning to transparent media. Um, you know, obviously because of your involvement in, uh, in, I mean, you don't, you deal with more than just, you know, Christian rock artists, but, oh, yeah. um, it's, um, but that's where you kind of, mm -hmm. that's what opened the door for you to do. Like, yeah. at, so at what point in time did you say, um, I, I think I want to take this step to try to help other bands promote themselves and, 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 uh, you know, work with these people. And I think I'm the guy that, that can do that because I know X, Y, or Z, um, like what, what was the first thing that, that told you that, Hey, I'm going to, this is something I can do and something I can help with and then convince the people to say, Hey, you know, give me your business <laughs> type of yeah. thing. Well, it all stemmed from serving. So I had started building my brand. I was touring, but it still wasn't like making money, kind of like a podcast. Like you can grow, but you're not going to be making a living off of it within the first few years. So I remember in 2019, it was either 2018 or 2019, um, I was in Quincy, California for Joshua Fest and Lacey and Josh were there doing an acoustic that night. And that was like the first time we ever did an event together. And from that point on, it was like, okay, like when I jumped on tour with them for that show in Akron, I was like, let me handle social media. And so I kind of got like boots on the ground, was able to help them build their brand. And from that, like they recommended me to some friends and um, I worked for an agency there for a little while. And then it really just was a clear thought in my head of like, okay, you really should try to do this. And um, so it all started from serving and Lacey and Josh Sturm have provided um, such an amazing opportunity to help them grow their brand and what they're doing. And from that, like being recommended to other people and being able to work with some of the people that we have, um, even in the past year is just mind boggling to me because I grew up on a ton of them yeah. and being able to help them communicate with their audiences and communicate the message of love, hope, peace, um, uh, in a lot of cases, uh, their faith has been amazing. And I wake up 
every afternoon with a smile on my face because I don't wake up for mornings. And you work with another Pittsburgh-ish uh, band in uh, The Letter Black. The Letter um, Black we um, have worked with. Uh, we helped launch their album. Uh, it was either last year or the year before. And speaking of the devil, uh, Merry <laughs> Rockfest Christmas is now streaming everywhere. There you go. Um, so yeah, yeah, they, they're, from Un- they're from Uniontown, just outside of Pittsburgh. They consider themselves a Pittsburgh uh, band, but they're they're really about an hour outside of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Well, they're a great band, so they need to yeah. do some more Pittsburgh shows for you. Um, they and they I don't can... play here. They, they I, I saw them one time at a bar that's no longer open, right up the mm-hmm. street for from uh, here, uh, called the Altar Bar, and uh, they played with uh, Love and Death, um, who mm-hmm. you also have worked yeah. with. And uh, who else was in that lineup? I think uh, a thousand foot crutch. Um, yeah, that was. For, um, yeah, wow, that was so. a big lineup. You. It was. It was there. a great. It was a great show. And there was one other band I think thrown in there. This um, um, I can't remember right now. But anyways, um, it was a really good show. Really good lineup. Um, oh, it was. Um, we as human was also. A wow. Part of that yeah. Lineup. Um. So again, they they kind of blew me away. But yeah, you get to work with the, the protest. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to work with, why don't you name some other people that, that you work with love and death. We said, um, yeah. Um, the whosoever's, which is kind of a right. bunch of the musicians together in a collective, um, Sonny from POD has a nonprofit called youth of the nation foundation. And we've been able mm-hmm. to help get that off the ground with them. Uh, John Schneider played Bo Duke on the Dukes of yeah. hazard. That's <laughs> the, that's the big round, like a circle moment here because they filmed Dukes of hazard in my town. And oh, I never nice. in a million years thought I'd ever have a conversation with a guy. <laughs> we're it's helping him watch boy. movies. He's just a good old boy, you know? (laughs) So, um, and then just, we've been able to serve with so many amazing people that I grew up listening to. And then even new friends that we've been able to work with. So we're also in the process now of rolling out, um, or the beginning stages of rolling out something that's going to be super historic for a certain band. And it's, it's pretty incredible. So I'm awesome. excited. And most people would assume it's Flyleaf and no, it's not them. Um, no, we are working with Lacey and such. It's, it's not a Flyleaf, um, similar genre, but just there's some very amazing songs, collections, uh, tours. There's so many amazing things that are going to be happening in the year 2023. So we're excited to be a part of the conversation. I can't wait to see what you got coming. So what, what do you got uh, coming up next uh, for, for the Christmas season here and, and New Year's? What do, you, what do you got going on? Well, Cutlass just put out a single called End of the World, which yeah, is a six-minute song. Yeah. A six-minute song. I listened featuring. to it. It's fabulous. It's, it's fabulous. fabulous. Uh, James Mead, John Micah Summerall, and uh, Josiah Prince from Disciple. Mm-hmm. And he also owns The Ranch, which is a studio in Nashville. Oh, I know. He's they, killing it crushing it and uh cutlass released a s- almost six minute song called end of the world and uh good to hear him rocking hard again <laughs> oh yeah so words <laughs> of fire end of the world are out is out um and so much more on the horizon it's it's so awesome to see all these super crafty people come together and like man we really just want to make an impact and it's like all right well if we can help we'd love to if not like we'd love to pray for you and support you along the way so it's never about how can I earn your business? It's like, man, that's pretty cool. Like, I think we have some ideas that might be able to work for this. And then we just start from there. I I never want to sound too salesy. It's just like, I'll get a phone call and we'll start brainstorming. And then it turns into a business partnership and being able to help be a part of these projects with people that are a lot cooler than I am. So it's fun. Cool. 
Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, you and I will be talking more. This something I told you that God put on my heart, but I'm not sure still how to. I, I've got some more insight on on how to possibly go about that that I'll have to talk to you about. And people right sure. now are saying, well, what are you talking about? I'm not going to tell you what I'm talking about because it's way too early, way too premature. You can wait and figure it out with everybody That's else. right. Just wait like everybody else. <laughs> like Mark. Mark has no clue. <laughs> he has no clue what I'm talking I about. I don't have any clue. <laughs> I'm clueless. I'm clueless. What do I know? As, usu right. as usual. <laughs> All right, what so do I know? Nothing. Look. Let's uh, we're, when people want to follow you, is it uh, Trevor talks everywhere on all social media? What, what, uh, where can they find you? We'll, we'll toss it yeah. up there. It's Trevor talks across the board. Uh, the main website is trevortalks.co or .co. Um, all the links are there. So wherever you uh, like to binge podcasts or videos, YouTube, all that good stuff, just type Trevor talks and it'll show up. Cool. And then, cool. uh, transparent media is just your you know your side business there's like nothing oh it's really the main business um i don't mean i don't mean to say it like that i just mean no, to for say sure. that you're you're not uh like I, I don't know what the right words i'm saying like we you're not fold? trying to uh, <laughs> we okay <fold>? if, if, <laughs> if there's any if there's any bands or any uh entertainment companies that are watching this and you need someone to help do your marketing and promoting go to transparent media and reach yeah, out yeah transparentmedia.co um, okay, we'll you can look it up too. and, you know, if uh, send it out, uh, we're pretty full and that's a blessing. Uh, it won't always be that way, but um, we do try to get back to everybody as soon as we can. But man, uh, this conversation has just been, feels like I just got out of therapy and I think it's mostly because of Mark, <laughs> but it's just been yeah, a good time. It's hard to shut him up sometimes. So <laughs> yeah, too, too loud. <laughs> So yeah, everybody check out Trevor, uh, or, you know, and, and the links that we've, we've, uh, shown you, you're not going to be disappointed. I, I, you don't need to tease anybody that's coming up in case you're, you're, you don't want to give that stuff away. So, uh, just, just follow him and, uh, keep an eye out for his upcoming guests. Cause he's always talking to somebody fascinating and interesting. So we hope you learned a little bit about, uh, this amazing guy and uh, you're just getting started, man. You're 25. You're, you're a baby yeah. still. You're a baby. I feel like a man. 25. <laughs> You know, it, here, I, I will say one thing before, before we sign off. You, you know, I think that my introduction to Christian music was such a cool uh, journey, right? Like, that's kind of like you, you kind of, it hit you as a teenager. So you kind of grew up with that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I grew up like in the eighties and the eighties hair metal bands and stuff like that. Right. And that, that type of rock music. And then I just, once that all faded away and I never got into grunge, I was just like, I guess I got to keep listening to this eighties music and it's, I'm going to seem so dated. And then I did hear skillet and I'm like, wait a second, you, you can sing about Jesus Christ and God and rock out like that. I never, I mean, other than striper, but striper was totally dirty. Striper to me was a hair metal band, right? Even though <laughs> they were singing about God and all that other stuff. And it's never, they never came across as like their own thing, even though they mm -hmm. kind of were doing their own thing. Um, I'm talking in circles right now, but to go to have this eye opening experience of, I, I can be current. I can be in today's world and I can listen to this music. And I mean, I, I, I started listening to red and disciple and decipher down and on and on to, you know, a thousand foot crutch, you name it. They, they just started piling on uh demon hunter. And I'm just like, they're, to me, this was life-changing and game-changing. So I can say I can rock out hard and still praise the Lord. So yeah. Um, so in all of that, 
um, what I'm trying to say is you should probably be a little bit jealous of me and my journey. So, but I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just jealous, joking. dude. <laughs> I'm very, just, <laughs> just to come off of you mentioning Striper, um, they were a little before my time, but like they just put out. Make me feel old. They were a lot before your time. You they were a lot before my time. I was being I was being generous and you ruined it. That's on you. You probably weren't even born yet. I was not. I, I popped out of the womb in 97. Um oh, they um, just put out like some actually really heavy stuff. Like I that's not it. your yep. hair metal type. It's almost like are these dudes dipping into metalcore? And I was so excited. Um Oz Fox, their guitar player, his wife, Annie Lobert, has an amazing yeah. nonprofit called Hooker for Hookers yeah. for Jesus. She's Everybody should check story. them out. They're amazing. Yeah. So amazing. Or go see her I Am Second video. It's an amazing yes. story. Much like Brian Head Welch's story is amazing. Much like Lacey's story is amazing. Much like your story is amazing. So we're oh, glad yeah. to have had you on Blabber Brains here and uh, let people know your background, your story. And I was really uh, happy to have you on the show here. And like I said, hopefully, you know, you, you get uh, a, a few more followers out of this uh, that you yes. didn't have before. So anyways, uh, so for Trevor Tyson and the big M over there, and I am Michael Cadry, we will catch you next time on Blabber Bane Show. And have a happy new year and Merry Christmas. Merry everybody. Christmas, everyone. Yes. <laughs>